to explore new ideas, to seek out new thoughts and new opinions, to boldly opine where no millennials have opined before. This is the Next Next Generation Podcast. Make it so. Welcome back to the Next Next Generation Podcast. I'm Catherine. I'm Charles. Today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 21, Arsenal of Freedom. That title's a little on the nose. (laughs) The title is perhaps the clearest indication of what they were trying to say in this episode. I agree. Some obvious Cold War commentary. Obvious Cold War commentary is obvious. Yeah, it's always obvious. (laughs) There's no such thing as subtle Cold War commentary. Unfortunately, no. (laughs) Gives me the chills. It's right up against the end of the Cold War, too. That was the surprising part. That was all winding down. Yet, they felt the need to have a obvious social commentary episode once again. I think that it may have been winding down, but writers weren't willing to let it go until it was gone. Because it was an easy topic for an episode. Gotta keep mining that gold mine. Yep. So, they found out, they being the crew, The light cruiser USS Drake has disappeared in the Lorenz Cluster. The cruiser was investigating why intelligent life had disappeared on the planet Minos. So, let me get this straight. The USS Drake, another ship of Starfleet, heads out to this planet in the middle of nowhere, Mm -hmm. Minos, finds out or already knew that the planet's population had disappeared. They already knew. That's why they sent the Drake out there. And they're checking it out. Yeah. And then suddenly, the Drake also disappears. Right. And their response was send their very best ship all by itself (laughs) into some obvious danger. Gotcha. That's Star Trek. It's Star Trek. (laughs) Indeed. I have to say, when we watched it, the setup of this episode is a little bit convoluted. One ship goes, the planet's missing, and then also now the ship is missing. It's a lot of missing happening. It was a little clunky of a setup. Yeah, I felt like that. The episode struggled a little bit to identify the plot that it was creating and what it was trying to say. I think they had a decent idea. They had this burden, again, of the social commentary. And whenever you saddle your story with this kind of greater-than-itself idea that you're trying to convey in some way, one, it could bog down the storyline, or two, it just makes everything seem happenstance or coincidental so that you can get that point across. Well, they lost steam on the main idea as the episode went on, and it turned more into a storyline for Geordi to develop a little, which was great. It just didn't stay consistent in the thrust of the episode. Yes, I agree. I think that they did lose sight of their initial idea as they were unfolding the plot line. I did like the focus on Geordi. We've not had very clear, definitive Geordi episode up to this point. Had a lot of Geordi. Been a few great moments, don't get me wrong, but this was nice to really see him shine in the forefront. I would argue, though, that this wasn't a clearly defined Geordi episode. It shifted into becoming that. Yeah, but I would rather have the whole thing be about Geordi or not. They could have easily set up something much faster that left him in charge and then had a whole 40 minutes of him dealing with that. How much better would it have been to have it be in media res? They cut to the moment Picard hands him the con. 
Picard leaves the ship. We have no idea why Picard's leaving the ship. It's because Riker's down below, and that's when they begin the episode. So you're already in the middle of it. And then you sort of, through dialogue, find out piecemeal why they're at this planet, the Drake's missing, and it would be a nice unfolding that way. Having it start in a very obvious, clunky way like we talked about just didn't work for the episode. Well, they could have also not had anything from the planet. Then we really understand what Geordi's going through. He was cut off from contact with them for most of the time he was in charge. Mm. So we could have felt a lot more of the pressure and potential panic that he could have felt and then admired even more how much he kept his composure. It could have been him and Troy supporting him, and basically that's it. Like, they're running the ship for the whole episode. And they're in the dark, no information coming from below. Mm -hmm. They have to make decisions. They have to figure out what to do. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Yeah, they don't know what's going on with the crew. They're dealing with this really difficult enemy with no precedent for it, really. Right. They could have had the same major things happen, you know, the way he defeats that enemy, that weapon. Yes. There could have been a lot more drama Jordy and Troy trying to figure it out as they went without knowing what was going on with the crew or knowing what they were going to do. Or, alternatively, they could have had an episode that they started to have where they set up this mystery of all the disappearances on this planet. The away team gets stuck down there, loses contact with the ship. We don't know what's going on with the ship, and neither do they. And it's a whole 40 minutes of them trying to survive without a lot of the tools they're accustomed to having and figuring out what's going on a lot more slowly. They saw those uh, little droids too soon. I agree. Getting the half-half mixture of having the Enterprise and all its faculties at our disposal and then having the stranded people on the ground, the away team, pick one. It'll be a better episode because of it. Sometimes that can work really well. But what made both of those plots tense, potentially, was undercut by having the other. I absolutely agree. This has been another session of us trying to fix the plot. Tune in next time for more (laughs) of us trying to continue to fix plots. More of us, unpaid, non-writers, thinking we know better. That's what you tune in for, right? You know it. (laughs) Anyway, so they find out it's the Drake. Riker knows the captain, Paul Rice. They went to school together, Starfleet Academy. My immediate question was, how is Paul Rice a captain already then if Riker isn't? They immediately addressed that, so that was good. They actually wanted Riker to be the captain of the Drake, and he turned it down so he could be first mate on the Enterprise, which does seem like a good career move, especially because he's still so young. That means that Rice was their second choice, not their first. Yeah, although they seem like similar types. Yeah, very similar. Maybe that's why they were friends. They got along Mm -hmm. on a personality level. Yeah. They could see each other and understand that they were both men of action. Confident to the point of arrogance is how Riker describes him. I said, it takes one to know one. Yes. (laughs) An apt description of Riker himself. Yeah. Although, clearly, Riker has a little bit more wisdom and foresight because of his rejection of the assignment. I agree. Learning from Picard, taking his time, getting more experience to draw on is invaluable experience for Riker. Rice launches ahead and takes command of this other vessel, and it didn't work out that well for him, as we find out in this episode. Riker was the smarter of the two. We find out there's no life whatsoever on Minos. As Yar points out, that doesn't make any sense. No matter how terrible a war or disease is, there's always survivors, which is very true. Very true. Another good thing they address there. They did a pretty good job in that scene addressing our questions as they came up. Yeah. 
So this is weird. This is the mystery, right? Why are they all dead? No survivors at all. Then they try to make contact with the planet, and they just get this pre-recording, the sales pitch for the weapons. I kind of liked that. I did like that, too. That guy was great. Mm-hmm. His very cheesy, over-the-top, dramatic presentation style, 50s admin feel. Reminded me more of Star Wars. Kind of the rougher commercial side of things. You yeah. could see that, yeah. Uh-huh. Freewheeling, free trade side implied by this large collection of people all being able to interact with each other. Where in Star Trek, we're seeing the military government side. The nationalized side. Yeah. Or internationalized side. So they're going to have an away team. <laughs> Yar actually does her job here and tells Riker, um, we should keep it small. So she and Riker and Data go, which is actually a good away team. Turns out, though, on a meta level... It was just so Picard and Beverly could join them later and then Jordy be left in charge. Right. It was a good attempt on her part, though, even if it did just serve the plot. <laughs> I like that she was paying attention and yeah. did take the necessary action to stop Riker from his initial impulse, which is to take everyone, like he usually does. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, what about disease? She is not sure what's down there and wants to be careful and how many people they're exposing to potential dangers. Yeah, she's been paying attention during the last few episodes, realizing Riker's kind of rash with his away teams, and Picard just doesn't care, because that's Riker's job. But Riker listens to her. It was nice to see that. He trusts his people, and he knows they're competent, and once he's established that you're competent, he'll take your opinions seriously. I think he knows also no one would dare address him in the heat of the moment like that unless they were really sure. That they were wanting what they said. That's true. Yeah. So they get down there. It's a jungle. They do some lip service to how dense it is, but uh, it's not actually that dense. (laughs) It's a sparse jungle set. that they can't see through. Nope. Not at all. Visibility, very minimal. The set was all right, I thought. I did like, and I think you mentioned this to me while we were watching, that they made it big enough so you didn't feel like they were just walking in a very tight circle. It was a slightly larger circle. (laughs) No, actually, it didn't really feel like they were walking in a circle at all. So that was good. The sound stage was big enough Mm -hmm. that you could feel like there was some depth. They were actually traveling a little bit. And, I mean, in all fairness, they probably wouldn't have gone very far from where they landed. Also, having the pit where Picard and Beverly eventually fall in, it gives you another set. Yeah, that was great. Mm -hmm. I like the use of perspective. The distance, you could really feel it as they were all peering down later in the episode. Looking down, presumably a different set, was great. So they right away run into, air quotes, Captain Rice. It's obviously not him. Riker catches on pretty fast, but honestly, he should have been never thinking anything was right. Why would Rice just be standing there looking perfectly healthy in his uniform, doing nothing, with nothing else going on around him? It doesn't make any sense. So we were like, it's a projection. And it was. (laughs) I really wish they had found the Drake. Mmm, yeah. And then found Rice on the Drake. Back to what I was saying earlier about the whole episode being on the planet as one way they could have done it. Could have been a really horror type thing. At least a thriller. Okay. They could have found the Drake. They're wandering around the ship trying to figure out what happened to it. And then they find Rice. And it could have been really creepy. 
Because it was already a little creepy. The way the actor did it was actually very good, I thought. Yeah, his acting was on point. Uh Uh-huh. He understood what he was supposed to be doing there. I agree. One thought to add to that Mm -hmm. is they could use the Enterprise set. How creepy would that be to be in familiar places or similarly familiar places? Maybe change a couple small details. And that way they're not spending a huge cost on building yet another soundstage for this other ship. They can just reuse what they have and the eeriness of that suddenly is there. We were just thinking, oh, maybe they couldn't afford another ship set. It would have been easy. The hallways aren't that distinctive. That's true. Light it dark, maybe a little bit of red lighting. You're good. They couldn't really use the bridge. This is a light cruiser. It's not a sister ship to the Enterprise. So not the bridge, but maybe some of the hallways or a smaller meeting area. I'm just saying it would be kind of a haunted house thing. It would have taken a lot longer for them to encounter the drones. Right near the end, ratchet up the tension. Boom, boom, boom. Every five minutes, a new drone. That would have been great. They could have still shown them learning. It would have removed the weirdness of having them only come along every 12 minutes. That's such a long time. It could have been every two minutes or something once they found them. I agree. They set up Paul a lot in the very opening scene, Paul Rice. They use him here, and then that's just done. That's an example of the kind of thing I was saying where they totally shift what they were doing in this episode. Like they ran out of ideas for the planet. It felt very cookie cutter, Mm -hmm. like you had different shapes, and you're using one shape, and then you suddenly switch to a different one, and Mm -hmm. it wasn't smooth at all. It was kind of jarring shift in tone. Now, I will say, Picard and Beverly, well, she's hurt. That was good. Yeah, I really like that. And again, that would play into the same episode that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. a planet episode. Mm -hmm. They can still have all that drama of her being hurt, Picard showing some compassion, taking care of her trying to be comforting in this very difficult situation. And I like all of that. Don't lose that, but Mm -hmm. keep the focus and attention on them. Picard and Beverly go down there when Riker gets encased in an energy shield, which they are able to remove with no ill effects. At first, I thought even he would be messed up mentally, which is another thing they could have done. But anyway, Picard and Beverly get there and almost immediately get separated and fall into the pit. And that's where they shift back to the ship and start doing Geordie stuff. And when they do cut to the planet, it's just kind of either Data and Yar and Riker running around, or it's the nice stuff with Picard and Beverly. Right. But the real plot is then taking place on the ship. So it was a total shift in where the plot was. Unfortunately. So they can't beam them up because they have to have their shields up for the attacker of the Enterprise. I did like what they ultimately did with Jordy, but I thought the stuff with Chief Engineer Logan was really odd. It felt forced. Very. Very contrived drama. Mm-hmm. Who's this Logan? We've never seen him before. Who are these other people now running the bridge? We haven't seen them either. Suddenly they're here. Now they're causing problems? What? These are supposed to be Starfleet officers. They should know how to behave. It's part of their training. Suddenly there's mayhem and contrived drama. Like we said, keep him in the dark. That's tension enough. You don't need them arguing like schoolchildren on the bridge trying to say, no, I want to be in charge. No, I want to be in charge. No, I want to be in charge. No, you don't need that. It's silly. There's really no debate on who's in charge, first of all. Right. Logan says he technically outranks Geordi, which he may have more years of experience, but in the context of that ship, he does not outrank Geordi. No, Chief Engineer does not rank 3rd Officer. Not automatically. 
I think we know that those designations, after first officer, those designations don't have anything to do with your actual position. I think it's just the chain of command who gets passed to next. Right, but that's separate from your normal job, potentially. Right. Also, you know, they're in the middle of a battle. Engineering is not 10 seconds away. You know, he storms up there. What if they were just attacked again? It was one of those TV moments where it's like, oh, well, I guess they're not getting hit right now because they're busy having a fight, you know, on the ship. His acting wasn't that good either. Logan's, it just didn't feel believable that he would storm up there and do that. I agree. Now, Jordy does send him back to engineering. Yes. Which is great, but they didn't need to have a moment like this to show that Jordy could be a good leader. And in fact, later in the episode, they do show him offering support, encouraging and inspiring the younger officers who have taken over the bridge, helping him now. And there's that great scene that comes up just a few moments later between Troy and him. And she kind of offers him some wisdom and some guidance. I wanted more of that. That's Mm -hmm. a great interaction. We don't see really ever Jordy and Troy interacting. Well, because she's there to support who's ever in charge. Right. And Picard is already an experienced leader, so he doesn't need that kind of help that she offered Jordy. He only needs help when it's aliens and they don't know what's going on, and she can offer some extra insight. They might have been trying to show a little bit of range, having Logan and then having the young officers. Different situations with the crew demand to be handled differently. You know, he put Logan in his place, but those people he lifted up and supported. But unfortunately, it just wasn't, you didn't buy it, the whole thing with Logan. I know we're going on about this, but the biggest problem with it, like you said, was him coming physically on board. I actually would have been okay with it or bought it more if he had just done that over the intercom. Yeah. That would have been very believable, and Jordy would have had a harder time dealing with it. He would have really just had to hang up on him eventually. Exactly. Which wouldn't have been as satisfying as ordering him back to his position. That would play in, again, to the communication idea, central tenet of the tension that we're proposing as an alternate to this episode. If its communication is the central tension-building device, climax at the ultimate destruction of this droid-like creature attacking them, Having there be miscommunication or bad communication happening on board plays into that idea. Mm -hmm. But it was him walking the 10 minutes to get from one to the other. I'm not exactly sure how long it takes, but... It's not right there. No. No. (laughs) Totally unbelievable. It took me out of the whole episode, to be honest. Another thing they could have done if they had done the full episode about Jordy is even had time for him to call a meeting of the highest ranking people left on the ship. Ooh, I like that. And then they could have really had a fight and gotten into it. Because they all could have had different opinions about what to do, which is normal, really. Yeah. But since they don't trust him, it got more heated than it usually does. And that would have been a natural place and an appropriate place to have that kind of disagreement. And it could have shaken him in his own confidence. I liked that he was confident, but he was too confident. He should have been a little bit worried. Even Troy said, you're so calm, you're handling it, unlike these people. She could have said, like... I can see you seem calm on the outside, but I know you're worried on the inside. That's how your other officers feel, too, and have it be more empathy there. I really like that. Also, having them meeting up like that, we get a chance to see their individual personalities a little bit more and learn more about these characters. They have a little more depth to them. They don't feel so flat and cardboard-like. This could have been a great opportunity to start introducing a second string of people that we kind of know who they are, but they're not the main, main characters. 
and they would be good people to kill off, like we talked about in the last episode. <laughs> We're like a little invested in them, but not too much. And we would really be like, oh no, Chief Engineer Logan, he really came around and was nice to Jordy in the last episode, and now he's dead. That's so sad. I agree. <laughs> a little bit of investment on some of these minor characters mm-hmm. could make their deaths more meaningful in the future. Where's Argyle? I don't know. Where is Chief Engineer Argyle? Logan probably kicked him off the ship somehow. Maybe he's asleep, remember? We decided they have shift work in engineering. <laughs> yes, but we have enough chief engineers now to establish that they must have like a new one a month or something on the Enterprise because of the way they're hiring different actors to play these parts. <laughs> Goodness. No, 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 no. It's, it has nothing to do with the writing. It's purely organic to the story. <laughs> really? Uh, well, okay. Okay, how about this? What if... They rotate through engineers so that everyone in the fleet who is a particularly talented engineer gets a chance to see the Enterprise, their best ship, in action and learn from it. I'll only buy that <laughs> if I see it in the actual episode. Oh, you don't like the fan excuses for story weaknesses? Oh, I love hypothesizing <laughs> yeah, my own okay. fan excuses for the story. <laughs> By all means, it's the most fun part about talking about Star Trek is the speculation. However, mm. in this case, I'm getting a little bit tired of having to meet these new engineers for about two seconds, and then they're off to a new one. Yeah, and even if they did what I'm suggesting, they wouldn't be the chief engineer. They'd be the visiting engineer. Got the little badge on. Yeah. Welcome to the Enterprise. Uh-huh. New alien friends. <laughs> I'm not sure what the deal is with the rotating engineers. That's weird. But we've talked about that before. I digress. Well, anyway, though, they didn't have time for any of the things we're talking about because they really patched in this Geordi storyline on the back half of a planet storyline that fizzled out. Yep, our main mantra today is pick one. This bigger droid that's in orbit with the Enterprise is very difficult to hit because it's cloaked. They do actually figure out the pattern of how it hits and then where it would be right after it hits them. Jordy figures that out with the help of his new Helms people. Right. Even though Chief Engineer Logan didn't believe in him. But when they go to hit the other ship, they miss. Not because they did something wrong, because you miss sometimes. You do. So then they have to get out of there to regroup. So that's when he reveals, you know, he's going to use the battle bridge. And that's when Troy talks to him about supporting the younger crew members who have no battle experience. A scene that I really liked. Yeah, it was great. I wish they had had more consultation throughout. In our ship version of the episode. The thing is, yeah, Jordy's a little too perfect in this episode. And that's due to the time constraint of having him only be in that second half. He should have struggled more. He could have still been ultimately successful. I'm fine with that. Oh, me too. Yeah, he's done this before, for one thing. He's not new to having command. Not brand new, anyway. He should have had more internal conflict, and having Troy there was a perfect way for that to come out. She's someone he can be open with, not be so strong constantly around. Could have seen some growth in his leadership abilities, and get to know more about him. Whenever we see him, he's usually executing whatever he's doing in a very efficient manner. He has a great personality, he's likable, he's interesting, he's very warm Mm -hmm. kind of person, very empathetic Mm -hmm. in general, and supports his fellow crew members. So we don't really get to see much more of him than that. And so having some internal self-doubts, like you mentioned, would be great. This episode did have a lot of Jordy, but failed to add much depth to his character. They missed the opportunity. 
One thing they've hinted at with some more depth is his friendship with Data. In the episode with the Binars, when he had a break from his duties, he chose not only to hang out with Data, but to teach him how to paint. An interest in something like that does suggest kind of a calmness, a willingness to do something that's less action-packed than a lot of the Enterprise crew enjoys doing. So there's some richer inner life there, I think. He's not rushing down to the holodeck to fight off some ninjas. Right, or even to escape, trying to cultivate and explore with what's actually there in front of him. One thing I should say, Mm -hmm. I've watched both Brent Spiner and LeVar Burton talk about their auditions for Mm -hmm. Star Trek Next Generation. And the scene they had to read was actually a friendship scene between the two of them. And they decide to make this club called the Perceivers Club. It builds on the fact that because Data wants to become more human, he's trying to learn more about humans and he's perceiving them. And because of Geordi's blindness, he's also having to perceive people in a different way. And they sort of bond over that in their scene that they both read, apparently, to audition. It never made it into the actual show, however, but how cool would it have been if it had? Well, I actually like that they didn't show something like that. Oh. Even though that's awesome. That understanding that they have of their characters and their relationship informs their interactions. So the relationship feels deeper and more real because they know that that's the kind of thing that they do together. They don't have to show everything like that. And it's interesting. I didn't know that story. That's the foundation of their characters, their friendship, right? Not their roles on the Enterprise. And it's interesting that then I picked out an interaction between them as something suggesting that Geordi has more depth. Right. Which, of course, he does. He's a person, you know. We just haven't gotten to see that yet. And we like to. Yeah. But it's only been hinted at. And where has it been hinted at? In his interaction with Data. That's where they have done the most character development for him, whether or not it's been explicitly in this show. The thought of that has gone into that aspect of his life. And his portrayal of the character. Right. I can see the point. I kind of like it behind the scenes, maybe. Well, some of the best things in storytelling don't happen in the story. They just make the writers think about what's going on and make them understand the character better. And conveying that to the actor is a strong thing you can do to help them make the whole story more convincing. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, I think Brent Spiner and LeVar Burton are some of the best actors on this show. Yeah. Well, we do see the Battle Bridge, though, so that's cool. That was cool. Okay, I did not know it was a separate location from the bridge. I did. Seriously, I thought the whole section that wasn't the saucer was called the Battle Bridge. Maybe it is. Maybe they use it for both. Also, if you don't know you're going to be in a battle, it's kind of inconvenient to have to go to a different spot (laughs) to better control during the battle. Looks a lot more like their portrayal of their older ships. And it also looks a lot more like a submarine or an actual ship that we would have. I thought so, too. Yeah, it doesn't look like a lounge. (laughs) No. Which is good. That was cool. Well, maybe it is close. Maybe it's only like one floor above or something. I thought they said last episode with the Klingons that it was accessed through engineering. Actually, I think they did say that, yes. Yeah, because they were like, oh, Worf's got them near engineering. Oh, my gosh. He wouldn't take them to the battle bridge, would he? That's right. Mm -hmm. Maybe engineering is closer than we thought. Could be closer to the battle bridge. Although when that argument happened, were they on the battle bridge? I thought he was still on the main bridge of the Enterprise. Oh, they were. I'm just saying maybe it's all closer together than we thought. 
possible. I guess the turbo lift is pretty fast, hence turbo. Yeah, I think you're stretching now. Okay, okay, I'll stop trying to justify this stuff. Uh, no, I won't. <laughs> yeah, we, we all know you're not going to stop trying to justify this stuff. Well, you know what? I tear them down and help them fix it up in equal measures. If only they were still writing the show, dear. <laughs> they wouldn't listen to me anyway. Oh, that's true. Take notes for the future Picard-focused Star Trek. So Data and the rest of the away team finds Picard and Beverly finally. She is not doing good. I know we kind of mentioned this, but she's seriously injured, and they have no medical equipment somehow. Yeah, she had her whole bag with her, I thought. Yeah, that was, that was iffy, but that's okay, because it leads to our Data of the day. Okay. Data jumps down, what was it, 10 meters? It was too far. Riker was worried about him. He gets down there, he's fine, and he turns to Picard and says, At your service, Captain. Great data moment. He's the swashbuckling hero who's jumped in to save the day. The one we know, we need, and we love. So they find the controls of all the weapons in this cave. Must have been part of a building at some point. Some sort of basement area of a building. Yeah. Yeah, They don't really explain why, even though the people are gone, why all the buildings are also gone. Taken over by the jungle from years and years of disuse. No, that would take thousands of years. So at least the bad robot doesn't like buildings. They should have rubble then. Took their atomic arsenal and hit every point in the planet. But why would it have grown back then? I'm just stretching here. No, now you're doing what you just told me to stop doing. Hey. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. There should be buildings. Oh, I know. Money. Oh, yes. That's the root of all causes. <laughs> they don't have uh... enough budget to build buildings, so they don't have them. I mean, they have a map painting behind them. They could definitely put a few buildings in the distance. They could say, oh, this must have been an underground bunker in a test area. So yeah, there weren't any buildings where they were. They could have easily done a throwaway line to explain that. Justify their lack of budget, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they did some great throwaway lines at the beginning where they justified some things, like we mentioned. Keep it going! Yeah. Come on, writers, you can do it! Justify! So they see the little things moving around, and there's some tension because the little droids are learning. So Yar and Riker aren't going to be able to fight them off again. So they're running around. They're about to die. It's getting more and more tense. And then Beverly is like, why don't you just turn them off? In a moment of injured and irritated clarity, she, <laughs> she has the real insights here into what they should do. It never occurred to Data or Picard to just hit the off button. I mean, Data has an off button. You would think that he would think about that. Picard and Data are so high-minded and intellectual that they can't always see the simplicity of what's going on. Sometimes Beverly is like that, too, when it comes to medical stuff. But, of course, right now she's at the end of her rope. So she's a little more down-to-earth right now. That's fair. (laughs) I think everyone else watching was screaming at the screen, Turn it off! Actually, I didn't think of that either. I assumed you couldn't turn it off. See, that's the thing. They assumed you couldn't turn it off, right? During the demonstration. Because that guy shows up again. He's pretty funny. The salesman. The salesman. (laughs) Yeah, anyway, you thought of turning it off? I did. (laughs) I was kind of saying it mentally. Turn it off. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, what are they going to do? They need to reprogram this or something. You you were buying into it. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, just tell the sales guy, turn it off. I literally thought that. I just thought he wouldn't do it. And they didn't have time to argue with him. You know, when they could be coming up with another solution. Well, you know, I fell into the same trap. They're there. That's all right. Pat, pat, pat. They turn them off, and then they're done. They get back to the ship. It's just the bridge. 
Picard and Riker kind of give Jordy the look and don't congratulate him right away. And they're like, no, we're not going to relieve you of command until you have the ship back together in one piece, which is actually a huge compliment. You know, they're letting him stay in charge until they reconnect with the saucer. So obviously they are very impressed with Jordy, and I'm sure they'll give him private kudos later. Yeah, it was sort of a knowing stare and wink. That's just part of their culture because it's military. A little gruff like that. They are. But they're actually very proud of him, I'm sure. They'll tell him. Yeah. Just not right then because the ship's not in one piece. It's not the time. No. (laughs) Got to go back and reconnect with the thousands of families that Mm -hmm. are on board. I'm sure there is some protocol for when you're just using the battle bridge. Like you have to be efficient and warlike. You can't just be leisurely. I'm sure it probably changes the manual or policies they're using. Mm -hmm. One big thing. They never actually addressed what happened to the Drake. Oh, that's right. They never did, did they? I was trying to remember when I was thinking back about the episode. If they had just said, like, oh, by the way, when we got the sensors back, we did see where the ship had crashed and there's still no life signs. That's that. Other than Rice appearing and the droid that killed him supposedly had the scan on file or something. They never did say, did they? Wow. Since that was the entire impetus for the episode, that's kind of an issue. (laughs) It's a big issue. Very unresolved plot point. They really just dumped the plot, the original plot. The mystery of both what happened to the people of Minos and to the crew of the Drake, and indeed the Drake itself, and indeed all the buildings on the planet. I don't know why they thought it was okay to not address it. Obviously, the people are dead, right? But they didn't actually locate the ship, and they could probably find out even more if they found the ship. Gotta have a black box, right? Of some sort, yeah, I'm sure. I don't think they would just get rid of that, jettison it, if you will. Just because uh, (laughs) spacefaring technology has improved so much, you still need something like that. Because inevitably, they're going to have ship losses. Gotta store all your logs, back it up on this file, explodes, maybe the box survives, get the stuff. Right, in case you lose your uplink to the rest of Starfleet. Which they do all the time when they're in duress. They do, don't they? Yeah, so that happens. Big plot hole there. They kind of thought you'd forget, I think. We did temporarily, so it was working. Yeah, I don't know why they couldn't just address that. No idea. Our other solutions would have fixed that too. That's true, yeah. (laughs) They both would have. Yep. Okay, final thoughts? Big picture here. We have the glaring plot hole of not resolving the opening mission statement premise of the episode. Issues with the casting and the acting. A lot of plot holes writing in general. There were some great moments, things that I really liked about this episode. The scene with Troy and Jordy, the way Picard took care of Beverly. Data was great in this episode. The glaring issues really cut down the rating for me, and I'm going to give this a 5 out of 10 misguided weapons systems. Just to add on to what you said, this episode had some really promising thoughts, and I know this is a common complaint I make better idea than execution in this case though the actual initial idea not just the seeds of ideas was also not as promising their thought to marry these two storylines together was not a good one it was even before that that i'm talking about the good ideas like their initial idea with the mystery of the drake a planet where weapons are trying to attack them constantly Jordy taking over those are great but They didn't belong together necessarily. That was just too much to juggle, and it fails, ultimately. Actually, the more I've talked about this episode, the more disappointed I am. Because this isn't one of those episodes where I didn't even like the initial thoughts, maybe. 
like the one with Admiral Jameson, I was not on board at any moment for that. Everything you said that was positive was positive. But that adds to my disappointment because there were some really good things. It was a bit of a mess overall, and that was really disappointing. Last episode was good, and it showed how to do a good character episode. Even though we didn't love it, it was respectable as a character episode. The episode before that was amazing. This one was, yeah, it was a bit of a mess. Disappointing. So it's a little below average for me. So I would give it four and a half out of ten irrational chief engineers. This has been season one, episode 21, Arsenal of Freedom. Thank you so much for listening. This is the next Next Generation podcast. Follow us on Twitter, add us at the next next gen. We don't do any paid promotion of this podcast, and your word of mouth helps us to grow our show. Please leave us a review and a rating on iTunes and Stitcher. That really helps us out. Thanks to everyone who listens regularly, and we'll be back soon with another episode.